0: Very uh, pleased to be with you this morning and to have the opportunity to uh, introduce uh, Tim Milner. Uh, The reason why I think I've been asked to do this is Tim has just joined us on staff at Crandall University as our first ever Dean of the Chapel and Director of Spiritual Development. So we're pleased to welcome him into that role. We have uh, at Crandall we have chapel each day at 11:30, and uh, we're looking forward to uh, Tim's leadership together with the Christian Life Committee to uh, invest in our chapel program this year. There's so all sorts of things I could tell you about Tim, but I just want to share a few a few things with you just to give you a little context as he prepares to lead us this morning. First of all, I would say Tim is married to Lee, who is also right here on the stage. Round of applause for Lee Milner. And uh, together they have three young children who are right here, right? But I won't embarrass them by calling them up. But kids, welcome. (laughs) Glad that you're here. Uh, Tim is a two-time graduate of Prairie Bible College in Western Canada and went on to earn a master's degree at Liberty University. And Tim has served in a variety of capacities, mainly worship capacities. He's been a worship pastor at several churches, including a church of about 3,000 in the States. Tim also uh, has a real heart for training people in worship, and also touring with bands. And so that will be a key part of his ministry at Crandall, training our students in leading of worship and also taking them and uh, being out in the churches as guest worship leaders, so we're looking forward to that. Tim has recorded uh, three worship albums and has also written a book on worship, and he's also spoken extensively on that topic, both in church services and in training weekends uh, throughout North America. He's traveled a lot with his band, both in Canada and in the United States. And uh, I think what I appreciate most about Tim is a strong heart and love for the Lord and a desire to serve him uh, with all of his energy and with great excellence. And so, Tim, we're glad that you're here this morning, and we look forward to your leadership. Let's ask God to come in to our lives right now through his spirit, to listen for him, to know that God may speak to you in a way today that he's never spoken to you before. Let's stand and pray. Father, we just ask that this
1: is the day that you have made, and we're going to rejoice because you're Lord of all, and we come to worship you.
2: Praise is rising. Eyes are turning to you. We turn to you. Hope is stirring. Hearts are yearning for you. We long for you. Find strength to face the day. In your presence, all our fears are washed away. The washed away. For the day.
1: When it comes to preaching, I'm probably more of a pinch hitter than anything else and not the kind of pinch hitter you put in place when the game's on the line and you want results, but the kind of pinch hitter when everyone else is injured, and you can kind of put some out. that. That's kind of me. Um, and so I'm gonna keep my guitar on me for a little while here. Just, you never know when song might break out, so I just feel more comfortable with my guitar here. Um, I want us to think this morning about a time maybe in your life when you were really, really dehydrated. And I have a couple stories in my life. Um, growing up on a farm, Uh, When when it was hay season, you'd be up in the mound working away, unloading a load of hay and it would be coming up to you and you're like, is this thing ever going to be empty? (laughs) It's like 600 bales in this thing. And you'd be sweating, it was hot, it was dusty, the the straw was just clinging to your your sweat, your skin all over the place. And you couldn't wait for that thing to be empty so that you could run down the hay mound and go get a drink. And basically a fire hose to your face would have been just right. And that was kind of dehydration that we experienced. And... Um, There are other times maybe when you're hiking and you forgot to bring water or something and you don't want to trust the stream water or maybe you're at the ocean, surrounded by water, not a drop to drink, that kind of thing. But you maybe know the feeling of being dehydrated. Now we're told that the human body can last only two to three days without water. There are crazy exceptions to that, but typically our bodies will actually shut down if two two or three days without liquid. Uh, Now food, we can go without for 30 to 40 days our bodies for most healthy adults can go that long without food water is quite a bit different though and the key difference between thirst and hunger as I've experienced it anyway is that it's in the way that our bodies notify us of the need you know if you've ever been on a fast for whatever reason after a few days four or five days the, the actual intensity of the hunger pain starts to go away have you ever experienced that it actually starts to leave you and you don't even really think about it anymore. It's just kind of this numb feeling takes you over. But thirst is different, right? Thirst, if you don't get water, you can't think about anything else. You can't even function. How many of you have had that where like the tongue is sticking to the roof of your mouth? You get those kind of cottony cheeks and dry throat and all that. It's just, it will not let you you think about not having water. It's the only thing on your mind. And uh, if you've ever been there, you know that It just, it's so overwhelming the way the body tells us you need water or your body is going to die. And I want to ask you today on a spiritual plane, if you're thirsty today, we had a tray of food and drink before we came in, probably not thirsty in a physical sense, but spiritually September 1st, kind of a kickoff year for a new season of church ministry. Are you thirsty today? I'm going to sing a song for you about that, and then we'll go into the rest of the message. This song is called, Is Anybody Thirsty?
2: Is anybody thirsty? Is anybody tired of living for themselves? Is anybody thirsty? Is anybody tired of living for themselves? Jesus said, if anyone will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Jesus said if anyone is thirsty Let him come to me and drink Oh, never thirst again Is anybody thirsty? Is anybody tired of living for themselves? Is anybody thirsty? Is anybody tired of living for themselves? Take away the love of sinning. Draw us to your holy fire. We want to For the one who died for all For the one who died for all Is anybody thirsty? Is anybody tired of living for themselves? Is anybody thirsty? Is there anyone that's tired of living for themselves?
1: That is the question of our day today is, are you thirsty this morning? John chapter 7 records this of Jesus. It says, on the last day, the climax of the festival, Jesus stood and shouted to the crowds, anyone who is thirsty may come to me. Anyone who believes in me may come and drink. For the scriptures declare rivers of living water will flow from his heart. This is actually one of the few times in Scripture we have recorded that Jesus shouted, that he called out in a loud voice. There were a couple other times, and I think if we understand that, it just makes so much more sense what Jesus is saying here. One time when he shouted, it was to raise a little girl from the dead. He said, little girl, get up. Another time, he called Lazarus out of the grave. He said, Lazarus, come forth. Another time Jesus shouted, we're told in scripture, it was on the cross. He cried out with a loud voice, gave up his spirit and said, it is finished. Three times in the, in the gospel accounts, we have Jesus shouting. And this is the fourth time. It, it kind of gives me the idea that this is an important matter. When Jesus raises his voice, he's out in the street and he raises his voice on the last day of the festival and says, anyone who is thirsty may come to me. It seems to me that the gospel writers record Jesus raising his voice when it's a matter of life and death. You may not think that the thirsty thing is a matter of life and death, but you know that without, without water, without liquid for very long, it is a matter of life and death. And that seems to fit with what we hear in the scriptures and other places when it comes to thirst. You see, the analogy of water and spiritual satisfaction is nothing new at all. In Jeremiah 2.13 God makes this indictment against his people, Israel. He said, for my people have done two evil things. They have abandoned me, the fountain of living water. And two, they have dug for themselves cracked cisterns that can hold no water at all. I think those words are as true to us today as they've ever been. Here in the Maritimes, we have access to plentiful water, sometimes way too much water as in Lord, please stop the heavens. (laughs) Enough is enough. Uh, this past spring in Nova Scotia, I swear, there were 40 days where probably only five of them did not have rain. It was just oppressive. But compare that with spiritual thirst, spiritual hunger. The reality is the Bible says we live in a dry and weary land where there is no water. That's the truth of our spiritual condition. We're surrounded by physical water, but spiritual water is so hard to come by. So I want to ask you once again this morning, what if you were thirsty for Jesus? <laughs> not what if you had an emotional connection to Jesus, although there's, that's fine. Uh, I'm not asking what if you had more sentimental feelings about Jesus. I'm asking you what if you were thirsty for the power and presence of the living God? My understanding is that when I'm gone this week and and church takes over as normal, uh, Dave wants to lead this church through a series kind of entitled uh, What If or Imagine If. And I want to kick this off by saying, imagine if we could be the kind of people who are hungry and passionate and thirsty for the living God. You feel me this morning? You see, passion as Jesus displayed for us in the gospel Uh, It could be so easily confused, but really what it means is he was willing to suffer intensely out of his love for us. And I want to ask you this morning, are you passionate about Jesus? Are you willing to give up your preferences and comforts and have a passion for Jesus? Willing to suffer because you love him so much. This morning, I want to try to revive the passion and the fire inside of you. Rekindle that thirst. Because passion is the normal state of God towards people. That is the default setting. Normally, he is passionate, excited about us. It's honeymoon intensity, honeymoon frequency all the time, never getting tired. That's God's love for us. What about our default state toward him? (laughs) Our default should be the same toward him. But my hand is raised this morning. I'm telling you, it's not always that way. I want to talk to you about why some of the reasons that might be. One of the main reasons I think we've lost our thirst for Jesus is that we've lost the urgency of our message, the message of the gospel, the transforming life, changing power of God unto salvation. And I believe we've bought into a lie church. I believe we bought into a lie that hell is not real or that hell is somehow different than Jesus talked about it. And I have some questions about that. Why don't we teach on hell like Jesus taught on hell? Jesus certainly believed in it. He taught on it more than he taught about heaven. Another question I would have about that is it wouldn't matter a hill of beans. If I came up and told you what I thought about hell. And if you wanted to talk to me about it, I, you know, whatever it's, you're, you're just a person like, what do I care? But if God himself in the flesh comes out and tells us about it, we probably should listen. Who else is qualified to talk about such a serious matter, right? Of course, a bigger question I have is if hell isn't real, then why did Jesus have to die on the cross? Because if it isn't real, then Jesus didn't love me as much as I thought he did when I was a kid growing up. I really thought Jesus was saving me from something that was life and death, that important, that severe. I want to read to you from Psalm 130 here just for a moment to give us a little bit of context. This is not new, it wasn't new in Jesus' time. Fear for God we've lost. Psalm 130, it says, from the depths of despair, O Lord, I call to you for help. Hear my cry, O Lord. Pay attention to my prayer. Lord, if you kept a record of sins, who, O Lord, could ever survive? But you offer forgiveness that we might learn to fear you. Think about this. Forgiveness and understanding of God's love and forgiveness for us leads us to fear him. Why? Because if you were to take a logical conclusion from this passage... If you, Lord, kept a record of my sins, oh, Lord, I would be in trouble. It would be the end for me. If I were to follow that out, the natural consequence of my sin, it's disastrous. But you, Lord, offer forgiveness that we might learn to fear you, and we give thanks to him. Let's jump over to Luke 18. But the tax collector stood at a distance and dared not even lift his eyes to heaven as he prayed, Instead, he beat his chest in sorrow saying, Oh God, be merciful to me for I am a sinner. And what did Jesus say? He says, I tell you, this sinner, not the Pharisee returned home justified before God. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled and those who humble themselves will be exalted. (laughs) You know what we need church? We need more people who are willing to come to the end of their wits and beat on their chest and, and have repentance, true repentance for sin. We don't need more polished religious people. We just don't. We need more people who are willing to humble themselves before God, saying, I have a passion for you, God. I have sin in my life. I can't do anything about it. I need a redeemer. Come on, somebody. That's what we need in the church today. So one reason I think we don't have the passion is because we've we've, uh, lost the urgency of our message. And the second reason is because we've been choked out by the world. We've been choked out by the cares of the world. We've forgotten that we live for an eternal kingdom. And that our treasure is really actually in heaven. We've forgotten that God rewards faith, not the accumulation of stuff. My hand is raised again here. I fight that every day. I like stuff. <laughs> Who doesn't? I don't, I don't mind having a house with more than one bedroom. That's, I like stuff, you know? But God rewards faith, not the accumulation of stuff. We get distracted, don't we? We get distracted by the everyday stuff of life. And so I feel we've lost the urgency of our message. I feel like we've been choked out by the cares of the world. And third, I feel like we have habitual sin maybe in our life that we can't seem to overcome. Habitual or unconfessed sin in our life. And for some of us, we feel so trapped by our addictions or by our habits that we just say, what's the use? I've been fighting this for 20 years. I just, I can't do this anymore. I just can't. And maybe we've just fallen back into this place of complacency. Yes, I know Jesus forgives me. I'm going to heaven. But as far as fighting the battle right now, it's just not worth it. And I want to encourage you to, to shake off the dust, get back on your knees. It doesn't say we need to repent. Once we repent often, we confess our sins. He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. He will cleanse us from all unrighteousness. This is a journey. You guys should know that, right? The church has named that (laughs) we don't do this once and done. We can repent time and time again. We don't ask Jesus to come into our heart once, uh, many times, but we ask repentance. We, we forgive, ask forgiveness of sins multiple times. The fourth thing I think that keeps us from having passion is that we've been disappointed with God. Maybe you have a wayward child or a broken family relationship. Maybe you've experienced the death of a loved one and it just wrecked your world. Maybe there's sickness in your body or in someone you love and it just, it's all consuming to you. Maybe you've gone a long time and there's been prayers out there that have been hanging on hold and you haven't received your answer and you're starting to lose hope you're disappointed with God. Maybe you've experienced or are experiencing the disintegration of your marriage and you're disappointed. Why doesn't God just come and fix it? Maybe you've experienced financial ruin or financial stress. My hands raised. We experience disappointment with God and it, it zaps us. It, it takes our thirst away from Jesus and says, well, God, if you would just fix this problem for me, then, then I could serve you. You know what? I have one great fear in my life. One great fear in my life is that I lose my passion for God, that I lose my thirst, that I get distracted, that I start filling my thirst up in other places. We exist. You and me exist to spread a passion for the supremacy of Christ in all things for the joy of all people through Jesus Christ. That's our purpose on this earth. If we're distracted by anything else, we're missing it. We need to have a passion. You know, sometimes I wonder, we as churches gather in Jesus' name to worship, and we're not very passionate sometimes. And you say, well, it's the Maritimes, we're laid back, you know, we're mostly white, we just kind of are that kind of people. But, you know, you put the same group of people into a, a coliseum or arena with a winning Canadian NHL team, you'd see a different response, wouldn't you? Something like this. I mean, that may not be your flavor, but you know, if it was a Canadians or something else, you know, a winning Canadian NHL team, oh, we'd see this room erupt, right? I want to challenge you. We should be passionate about Jesus. This is sports. This is chasing a puck. The people who, who get all the big money, it doesn't benefit me. I don't care if they win or lose. It ha- has no bearing on my life, and yet we get so obsessed by it. You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Many people believe that if they just made 20% more money than they're making right now, they would somehow be happy, that it would somehow take, a, take the edge off and they could live at peace. I'm here to tell you today that just doesn't work that way. <laughs> Many lottery winners are the most miserable people on the planet. You see, we need to lift our gaze from the current situation that we're in. And remember, we've got to keep our eyes on Jesus. First song we sang this morning, praise is rising, eyes are turning to you. When we see you, we find strength for one more day, strength to face the (laughs) day. You know, what's worse than having no hope at all in this world is having misplaced hope, (laughs) if you have no hope, we can point you to Jesus. We can help you out, but if you have misplaced hope. There's nothing we can do to convince you. You're looking in the wrong place. I often say this about my keys. When I was first married, especially, I would lose my keys, my wallet, and my glasses almost every day. Uh, They weren't really lost. They were just misplaced, right? But the kind of misplaced I'm talking about is actually putting your hope in the wrong thing. And we do that. We do that too often. Because we have a list, kind of like a list I just gave you. What if God fixed all those things in our lives, you know? What if we got the dream house that we wanted what, what if our spouse came back or, or we had a more fulfilling relationship? Uh, what if we made the team this fall as we try out? You know, What if our child who's wayward comes back? All these things. What if God gave us all of those things? He could do that and we still wouldn't have a passion for God. Many of us have this expectation, God, take away my current stress, my current problem, my current circumstance, and then I'll be able to focus on, on worshiping you and, and having a satisfying relationship with you. It doesn't work that way i lived just long enough to know that. God seems to have a way of testing our passions. He tests our allegiance to see what's really important to us. He did that with Abraham, didn't he? The most important thing in his life, his son, the son of promise. God asked him to sacrifice that, to test his allegiance. I believe he's doing that to someone in this room this morning as well. What has God taken away from you that he's testing your allegiance? And you think, if only God hadn't taken that person from me. If only I hadn't experienced that kind of loss, or if only He would just make this thing go away, then my allegiance could be fully His. I want to ask you some what ifs this morning. What if? What if you could be passionate about Jesus? What if Jesus would come back and find His church alive and passionately living out the call right where you are? What if Jesus could get a hold of your heart this morning? And you gain his heart for your lost family members who don't know Jesus. What if you were more concerned about apathy and sin and darkness in your own life than you were about somebody else beside you or behind you? What if you could just gain God's heart for the lost? I'm going to ask the band to come up again just now. We're going to get ready to, to close this up. Some of you might think I've been a little bit hard on the flock this morning. That's okay. I get to run away after this. You may never see me again. But really what I wanted to do is challenge you folks this morning. I want to ask you that question and get back to that cry of Jesus. Is anybody thirsty or is everybody totally satisfied? Have you filled up your life with things that don't last and things that don't matter? I believe it could be somebody here in this room today that this applies to. (laughs) I believe there's several somebodies in this room it applies to. Maybe for you, this has been a summer of just kind of floating, just kind of floating through the the couple months, even even unplugged from church, even unplugged from the word, and you say, you know what, that's me. I need to get my passion back. I need to get my fire back. You know, it's harder when you have fire Living in your life, life actually can get harder for you, but there's nothing that can replace the Holy Spirit's presence and peace in your life, even as you go through hard, hard stuff. So I want to make an appeal this morning, maybe to some of you who have never considered the call of Jesus, the call of, wow, Jesus has done this for me. He's invited me to take up something much, much beyond myself. He's forgiven my sins, and he invites me into eternal life. And if that's you this morning, I want to ask you to take maybe an unusual step. I'm going to ask you to come up to the front, if that's you this morning. You've never trusted Christ alone for the forgiveness of your sins, and you know that today could be the day of salvation, could be a defining moment in your life. And if that's you, I'm going to ask you to come forward right now. Nothing to embarrass you. I'm not going to call you out. I just want you to make a step of faith this morning and come to the rest of us. What I want to say to you is maybe you resonate with this this morning. You're saying, you know, it's been a long time since I've really been thirsty for Jesus. A long time since I've opened up the pages of scripture and had an unmistakable sense of Jesus speaking right into my life. And if that's you, I want you to stand up too. I want you to come this morning. This may be new to some of you. There's no no pride here. There's no embarrassment here. If I was able to just come down there and stand there with you, I would do that because I'm saying the same thing. I need my passion back in life, guys. I'm not afraid of a lot of things in my life, but I am afraid of losing my passion for Jesus. That is the greatest fear of my life. If I don't have my fire for my God, what use am I? I'm going to invite you again. Why don't you come to the front this morning? Maybe we can pray together. Maybe somebody can lay a hand on your shoulder and pray for you. This can be people who are in positions of leadership. It doesn't matter where you are in your walk. This is not a mature Christian versus immature Christian thing. This is you saying today, I need more of Jesus in my life. And if that's you, I want to invite you to come up this morning. You're just agreeing. You're agreeing with what we're saying and coming forward helps us, helps us somehow seal that in the spirit. You know what I'm saying? Even as we sing this next song, I want to give you the freedom to come forward. Holy Spirit have his way in this house today.